Locked Into the Zone with Diamonds and Roses podcast, bringing you one step closer to Pacific Northwest and Southwest Canada baseball news, stories, and history. Proudly fueled by Baseballism, their America's brand, and Devo Bat Company, professional wood grain bats for the love of the game. And now your hosts, Ben and Travis. Welcome, everybody, to season six of the Diamonds and Roses podcast. We are back after a bit of a hiatus, but we're bringing you some good quality shows as usual. And today we are bringing on a friend from the north, Mr. Jim Swanson of the Nanaimo Night Owls and Victoria Harbor Cat. So welcome back yet again, Jim. How are you today? I'm good. You're my friend from the South. If I'm your friend from the North, is that how that works? Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> do, you, do you feel, do you feel like you're in the South, Ben? Absolutely not. No, I don't feel like I'm in the North either. So I guess we're about even on that. That's good. <laughs> yes. There we go. How you been doing, Jim? Been, been doing okay. It's, um, it's been, we're doing okay. We've, uh, uh, you know, obviously been focusing on getting ready for the seasons in both Victoria and Nanaimo. We have a, um, you know, a, a winter, spring, fall collegiate team as well in the CCBC, the Canadian College of Baseball Conference. Uh, at one point, it was kind of funny. Somebody thought we had started an offshoot league or something. And no, it's a it's a, a, a CCBC team, the Golden Tide, uh, that's going well. And I mean, uh, you know, you ask how it's been going, you know. This, you know, saddest part for me, obviously, this year already, my mom passed away recently, and that's that's been a tough part. And and uh, just, you know, people seem to be going through a difficult time with some different things coming out of COVID. But, you know, we're here to support uh, the people around us. And I know the one thing uh, with our Nanaimo team is, uh, and we'll get this stuff out of the way quickly. How's that? And, um, uh, you know, Tina Cornett, who's, uh, a, you know, a big part of organization in Nanaimo, her son, Simon, uh, was diagnosed with cancer in September. And and really has not been able to be much a part of things since then. And I think everybody, uh, you know, understands the challenges there, a 16 year old being diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, and, you know, we, we, we had a couple of people from, you know, a couple of people from around the league have showed support. We appreciate those couple of people. Um, we, you know, we certainly are giving her every bit of support and I'm glad to report that she's back to work here as of this week, as we're talking um, and, uh, and raring to go. And, and so ticketing and, some of the logistics pieces that I, you know, had gotten close to the wire, you know, he, he's, uh, um, you know, she, she's now getting further along the way. So it's, uh, so everything is all, is all good. Well, sad to hear, but good to hear that she's, she's back to work. I don't think we've ever really had a conversation about the golden tide and I want to set the other two teams aside, but I don't think sure. we've really discussed the golden tide. Can you, First of all, talk a little bit about about this this league that Aaron, because I, I know that you and I have talked personally on a couple different occasions about the differences between uh, Canadian college baseball and American college baseball and the league and so on. Can you, So can you discuss a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, what we decided to do during COVID and you know, part of it, we were sort of you know, we didn't play for two years. There was a bit of boredom going on. We were trying to keep ourselves busy and occupied and productive. And so we did two things during that period. One, uh, we opened up 
a indoor facility called the Edwards Family Training Center. Uh, the Players Club uh, Youth Program is out of there, the Harbor Cats uh, Youth Program. And then, you know, we applied to be a part of the Canadian Colleges Baseball Conference, which is now eight teams. Uh, there's Nanaimo, which is the VIU Mariners, Vancouver Island University. Um, and I'm sitting outside the Nanaimo Stadium right now. That's where they play. Uh, the, there's teams in Kelowna, Kamloops, uh, and then in Alberta, it's Lethbridge, Calgary, and Edmonton. And also a team in uh, in uh, the Fraser Valley, Chilliwack, Abbotsford area of uh, outside of Vancouver, and you know it's it's a it's a different it's a it's it's a low level of college. I would I would equate it to a you know D three or a Division two junior college type of a situation. And what it really does provide, and I think it's outstanding, is an opportunity for players, uh, Canadian players, to stay in Canada, not have to pay the rates that they do to go. Uh, you know, I got a son who's in college finishing up his, uh, you know, kind of last year in, uh, in, in college baseball, he could go for another year. He's still eligible, um, because of COVID and how that played out. But, um, you know, it's been an expensive thing for our family during that period of time to have him down doing that. And it's less expensive for families to have their students stay back in Canada. There's no out of state or out of country, um, additional fees and things like that, that happen when Canadians go down to play college baseball in the States. Um, so it's an opportunity for players who probably aren't focused on the draft or that sort of thing that they may have in the back of their minds, but they want to still play college baseball. They still want to play baseball sport for life and they want to get a great education. And, you know, Canadian universities are outstanding. Canadian universities, uh, you know, U.S. universities are really good too, but there's obviously some places that have maybe a reputation as, you know, sort of underwater basket weaving type of uh, of colleges that get you from high school into into other places. The universities we're talking about here that uh, are involved in the CCBC are extremely good um, academically. And the Golden Tide uses uh, athletes that are going to UVic, University of Victoria, or Camosun College, which in many cases is a you know a stepping stone into UVic for a lot of people. And you can get a full four-year degree there. Uh, but we started that up in the fall of 2021. We're now in our second season. And you know, head coach Curtis Peltier um, and our staff, we fully support it. Uh, it's a chance to get the the ballpark uh, moving again. Wilson's Group Stadium at Royal Athletic Park, and we have a lot of fun uh, getting things going there. Uh, and we'll we'll actually start. We're scheduled to start this coming weekend. There's a bad forecast and uh, and a lot of wetness that we've had through the winter. I think in the Pacific Northwest. So it's um, it's an exciting exciting time to get that going in our second full season. And it's got growing pains. There's no question. We've uh, we start off with really good numbers the first year. We hit a uh, some people left the program from academic reasons. Mostly didn't make it the first year academically through the first semester. And you know when you talk about what um, college students do when they fail out of university or college, it's usually after the first semester or first year. And we were a brand new program with almost everybody being a first year player, so we were we were kind of susceptible to that and saw the numbers fall off. And then the numbers going into year two didn't rebound as high as we've needed or wanted them to, but you know, we're, we're here for the long haul and this program is going to be here, you know, to, to be a part of our whole program with our group. We own the Harbor cats. We own the Nanaimo night owls and we own the Victoria golden tide of the CCBC and the indoor facility uh, has been a tremendous, tremendous benefit uh, through the winter rainy months. What's the, what's the recruiting differences between uh, the golden tide and the other two programs? that you do in the summer. Yeah, they're wholly different. Um, 
they, uh, you know, we're recruiting uh, players to come to either Camosun or UVic, which we don't have an official relationship with, uh, but we're, we're sort of a club program outside of their programs. But the students have to qualify. They have to be academically eligible, uh, not just for the school, but also for the requirements of the team. So we're looking, you know, generally at players coming out of high school baseball, the levels here, and moving into colleges that, you know, have decided they want to continue with that education and still play college baseball, but they don't necessarily want to make, you know, the financial and uh, and fuller commitment to go all the way down and go to a California or a North Dakota or Arizona or wherever guys have many, many, you know, thousands of options to go to at various levels. This gives them a Canadian option where they don't have to have a passport to go do it. They can stay home and, and, uh, and, and, and stay at a Canadian acknowledged school. One of the big problems that happens with the U S college system is the transferring of credits. When, if you ever change schools, it's a big problem and it's vastly understated by the industry. Uh, cause they really don't want people to know that sort of the, the the harshest part of going and playing college baseball there's very few college baseball players that go to the same program for their entire college career and play baseball for the whole four or five years with red shirt or injury red shirt or whichever it is um the very few players go to the same program the entire way through um you know what the the ccbc the golden tide the viu mariners and all the other teams provide up here is a chance to go and play for what's actually allowed in Canada is a five-year program. And we're, you know, we're very happy to be able to provide that option for uh, those athletes to, to do that. They can say they played college baseball. It's extracurricular. It looks great on a resume later on. Um, I talked to an HR person uh, a week ago uh, who told me the only people they will put in the pile that they want to go back to when they're taking resumes for a position are people who played team sports. They want to talk to people who played team sports. Um, you know, your background, Ben, I know your background. You're a team guy. The stuff you've done in your life, you don't get by without being a team guy. You can't be the guy who mm-hmm. who isn't willing to fight through something you might consider to be toxic or difficult. Yeah. To be a team guy, you've got a, a, a team player, a team team person, a team guy or girl. You, you've got to be ready to go to bat for your teammates next to you. And uh, and do what's right for the betterment of the team, and put your ego aside at, at at times. And that's a really important point. Part of being in college baseball is learning those things and getting that experience. Okay. And so, do these these other institutions for these colleges? Do they have their own uh, baseball teams, or is this like, or do they not have? Do they not have? No, it's a it's a full on conference. So there's a there's a spring schedule, just like uh, like it's a 30, 32 game schedule. Um, there is some fall exhibition stuff that goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, could play some high school teams. Could play. Uh, could move around and play some some sort of uh, you know some inter squad. A lot of inter squad games. Everybody almost does a. I think everybody does a fall World Series inter squad. Yeah. Um, but you know by the time it's done, you're you're probably talking in terms of game action, at least 60 games. And of course, you know, guys in and out of the lineup, because you're trying to get everybody involved. Programs will have, you know, anywhere from 35 to 55 guys up here. Yeah. That are pretty strong. Like the, I would say uh, the Okanagan college program, uh, the coyotes program run by Jeff white, a guy I know very well uh, would be the, you know, the, the best example PBA 
program in Lethbridge, another really good example um, of, of quality programs with great leadership. And, um, and, and they draw big numbers and they have good programs with, you know, using good fields, uh, collegiate level fields and the opportunity to get a tremendous education out of it and move on in life. It's, it really is a, I don't know where there's a loss in this. It's a win, win, win all the way across. Okay. And so you, Curtis is the head coach, um, you know, for the team and what, how, how did you go about deciding Curtis for, you know, for this position and, and how's that been going for him in the last couple of years? Yeah. I mean, Curtis is an all in guy when it comes to baseball, for sure. And he's done a lot of things on the side as well for us. I know on the side, he does a lot of marketing for us and a lot of logistics things for us and the youth programs. He does a strong job and, you know, Curtis joined us in 2018 and, you know, he frankly came to me and said, listen, I want to be, I want to work in baseball. And he had done other things in his life that I don't think were fulfilling for him. And, and he wanted a chance to do something that was really, um, you know, grounded him in baseball. And, you know, we've certainly given him the opportunity to do that. And, uh, you know, Curtis is, he's an outstanding uh, coach and skills coach. He's very organized. Um, he's, uh, he's disciplined and, you know, there's, there's been some parts that we've, we've been able to help coach him on organization and, 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 uh, the plans and everything that goes together for, um, for all the scheduling and, and, you know, trips and travel and, and all those different pieces. There's no question that, uh, that, that Curtis has risen to the occasion when it comes to a lot of that. And he's had some great help too. He's got a pitching coach and assistant coach and Ethan Fox, who's a former Harbor cat, who's done an amazing job as well. And, they make good use of the uh, Edwards Family Training Center and uh, the technology we've got in place with hit tracks and Rapsodo and all the things that are there. And uh, it's it's been a really good opportunity for the players who come to take advantage of it. And we've seen guys join our program who've maybe been in the States and it wasn't for them. They've come back to a more familiar Canadian se- uh, setting for them, uh, you know, academically probably stronger than where they went to at a junior college somewhere. Um, you know, there's some baseball schools down there that that's kind of what they're there for and, uh, pretty basic, uh, academic requirements, but may not get you all that further ahead when it comes to, um, your vocation later in life. The Canadian schools are a lot more focused on that output, that outcome academically. So, um, you know, we guys are required to take a, a, a heavy load of, of classes and between Curtis and, and Ethan, they do a really good job of monitoring that and guiding guys and providing them with any supports they need in that area. Side note, I mean, you have the training center, um, and I know that in the Northwest here, you know, we obviously the weather is not as cooperative as in like Arizona and Southern California and in and, and those particular areas. But what do you think that these tr- indoor training facilities have done for those players who are in climates that are not um, – the best this time of year or year round for baseball itself, especially like in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's almost a requirement for sure now, but the thing, there's a couple of interesting parts with it um, that are not to be forgotten. Um, You know, everybody talks about a facility and academies and, and, you know, the, the, the travel ball programs and all the different offerings out there. You know, there aren't a lot of these indoor facilities that have actually proven to be, viable i mean i'm a baseball guy first and foremost i did you know a lot of baseball stuff a lot of media stuff for my life i'm really kind of new to the baseball uh business and marketing in a lot of ways i know i've been doing it now for a while but 
I still feel like a newbie in those areas. What I do know is that I've been aware of indoor baseball facilities and programs and businesses really that have propped up over time. And the large majority of them, and I would say well over 90% don't last long-term. They end up having uh, changes to them. They end up changing ownership. They end up closing down for a while and having to make up debts and different things like that. Business-wise and business viability-wise, they are grind. They are extremely difficult to make successful. And in large part, the measure of success is that it's still open and able to pay its bills. Anybody who's getting into those things, thinking that they're a, you know, a, a money, a money grab, or a, or a, you know, a, a big. Uh, I mean, they sound like a money grab to the to the to the athletes and the parents probably, but they're not a big cash cow. They're really not. Um, so we've we've taken the approach with the Edwards Family Training Center, which we had some donations, hence you know the name Edwards Family Training Center and some others. Um, that we've taken the approach of that it's about viability is about, you know, breaking even paying our bills. If we have a good month, we put that aside towards, towards some bad months that may come because in June, July, and August, who wants to go inside? Uh, but in, you know, November, December, January, February, and really getting into March area, when everybody's itching to get back going at it again, when you can't go outside, these are necessary um, programs in many cases now. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's important for people to support them and realize that, you know, inflation and taxes aren't, those things aren't, those kind of things aren't going down there. Everything's growing in terms of costs. Uh, baseball costs have gone up. Equipment costs have gone up. Uh, HR, you know, you have to pay people a little bit more and the taxes on that end up going up. Uh, all those things have to be in place. And, you know, there's, there's a, I think there's a lot of people that, that just, a lot of people that just don't understand, um, you know, how difficult it is to run a business and it can be difficult to run one of these businesses, but they are absolutely necessary. Yeah. And let's talk about difficulty running a business. Um, you know, just over the last few years, you know, with, with COVID and, and now coming out of it, you know, you had to take essentially you know, two years off from the West Coast League itself with the Harbor Cats. And then, you know, obviously with you had to delay it a year with the start for Nanaimo. Um, but what what did that do to your organization as a whole? Like, talk, let's talk about some of the negatives, but also let's talk about some of the positives that came out of uh, that time off. Um. <laughs> Uh, you know what? It, it's a great, that's a great question, Ben. That might be the best question you've ever asked me because you're probably expecting me to say there's a whole lot of positives. And to be honest, I'm not sure I can point out a lot of them. Um, and, and that's why it's a great question is because, you know, you, you, you do, I mean, everybody is a, you know, you, you don't go into a job like this without being an optimist without, without having, you know, great hope for what you're going to put together and, and, and really be positive outlook. I mean, I think we finally we found coming into 20, uh, 22 season when we finally could play again, it felt like it felt a little bit like, oh my God, we, uh, you know, we can go again. We have all, we should have all this energy built up because we were, you know, we didn't play for two years. We should be all raring to go. And I think once we opened the gates, it was kind of like, oh, we're back. And we kind of exhaled. And I think that was the, the way we felt about it, even 
even Nanaimo, the lateness of construction and all the different things that went on and getting that set up, you know, those stories we've talked about them on your podcast before. Um, you know, just, it was, I think it was more of a, you know, we're here and, and I don't want to say rest on laurels because that's really not what it was. It was more of a relief than it was an excitement. And I don't think any of us realized what COVID took out of us. I think there was a lot of, a lot of energy that we expended and everybody expended. And I say we, I mean, collectively kind of league collectively, a lot of energy had to be expended just to keep it going, just to, just to keep things on the tracks. And not that there was ever a danger of us going away because our ownership group is too determined. I think we're a skilled group when it comes to, you know, how we operate. We'd like to think that, that, that we bring some good stuff to the table marketing and, and operations wise, we're, we're, we're tight on that. Our hotel, uh, our bus, our travel, uh, team breakfasts, all those things that are in place and impeccable. Um, you know, it, all those things are really strong. Um, it, but having those things set up for those two years and then having them, you know, the rug pulled out from underneath you and, and, uh, you know, honestly going home and when it was, when the days they were canceled were some dark days, it, days you went home and, you know, sat down and, and I sat in my favorite chair and popped a beer and, and went, well, okay, I guess I got to figure out what I'm going to do for the next few months because there's not a lot we can do other than continue to remind people that we're not able to play because of rules outside of our control, but we're going to be here when it's done. So you well, know, let me ask we, you a question on, on that. Did you feel like at any point where it started like, man, I, how many times do I have to explain this? And like, does it feel like it's getting old? And I, I mean, maybe that's not the great, the greatest of questions, but no, I mean, that's, no, I get it. gone through it at times. I, I here, I'll answer it. I'll answer it this way. At no point before 2020, March, 2020, did we have, anything in our business plan that said, here's what we would do in case of a shutdown for a year. I was asked once that question. Um, I remember the forum that I was asked and I'm going to leave out the kind of the form of that, like what would happen? What was, what is it that could, that could halt the business? And my answer was, you know, the big earthquake. I, I thought that was maybe the only thing that could potentially do it. Uh, I don't think Victoria is in much of a danger of getting hit by a tsunami um, you know, we have pretty mild and great temperature. Weather's generally not an issue. We went into the 2022 season with a grand total of two rainouts in our history. Um, not a lot of things that were, you know, you know, sincerely debilitatingly outside of our control on how we run our business. But, um, you know, certainly we didn't have a pandemic clause. I now have marketing, um, uh, arrangements and, 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 and contracts and, and supplier contracts that have a force majeure in them in case of, you know, a, a, you know, a God willed event. Right. So, uh, act of God type stuff. So, you know, I never would have contemplated having that in a, in, in one of our contracts going into, into COVID. And, and now, you know, we, we talked about it clearly as a management and ownership group, uh, you know, what do we do if it's a, if it's a second year, you know, and, and, you know, we put things into place to ensure that, that we could make sure our people all stayed. That was a really important one for me. Uh, I'm, I'm big on loyalty. I'm big on honesty and integrity. And when somebody shows a lack of honesty or an integrity, I, I'm, I, I'm pretty quick to turn the page on that because it shows an indication of character. But when people are loyal and, and stick to their guns and, 
and battle with you and alongside you. I'm not the boss of these, of these teams. I'm more like the captain on the ice or on the field with, with my teammates. We're not big enough to have a boss in a 30,000 square, 30,000 foot uh, airplane hovering over what we do. I have to roll my sleeves up and get involved too. And, uh, and I don't understand operations and where the owners are, you know, kind of looking at it from a distance and don't really get involved and get the, some dirt under their fingernails. I don't understand how that works. I, I, I maybe it's because it's not just me, but I I do know this that we made the commitment as an ownership group. We're going to do everything we could to get through whatever years we were surprised. It ended up at two years. We were surprised the first year, but then certainly surprised the second year. And then when it leached on the, and 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 continued where it could have been a third year, um, that wasn't going to close us down. But it certainly was going to cause for some different approaches, I think, than if than what we did for the first two years. We were going to have to probably, you know, a bunch of us, including myself, paid employee, going to have to take some time off, and uh, some things like that were going to have to be done. The government programs up here, you, you, I mean, you wouldn't be aware of the spending. They were they were pretty good and helpful. I mean, I've got some. Uh, I think as all of us do about our our governments wherever we we happen to live, I've got some some questions and and uh, maybe criticisms of how some things were done, but. I do appreciate some of the programs that were put in place. They weren't perfect, but they were helpful. Um, you know, nobody got rich off of any of the other programs. If anyone thinks that, they're foolish. Um, but certainly, you know, we run a viable business. We're proud that we run a viable business. But we, you know, we're not necessarily about being wildly pop, uh, um, you know, uh, positive in that in that realm. We're, we're not about profit, profit, profit. We do aim to pay our bills every year. We do aim to reinvest where it's where it's worthy and increase our staffing where it's worthy. Um, but, you know, a third year, what would that have done to us? We still would have been around. Here's the good part. And you asked for a good part and I just found it. In Victoria, baseball has been and gone and been and gone and been and gone so many times. And no team lasted more than five years. Well, the Victoria Harbor Cats this year are celebrating their 10th anniversary. And yes, that includes a couple of years off for COVID, but nobody ever comes into our into our offices anymore. Nobody's on the phone, nobody in the community at all the things we're involved with, and it's a lot. Um, nobody comes in and, and makes any comments about, hey, you guys going to make it? No one questioned us on that. And to me, that was a state of where baseball, our brand, our marketing, our efforts in the community had matured to the point where the community fully had confidence that we would pay our bills with, with all our suppliers. We would pay our bills. Uh, nobody ever missed a paycheck. Um, you know, all those things that happened during, during COVID, uh, that could have potentially happened during COVID, I should say. So it, it, you know, COVID taught us how to be more resilient. I would say that. And COVID taught us how to be, um, how to be flexible and come up with some new ideas. Obviously the, the golden tide, the indoor training, the Edwards family training center, um, you know, how we do some things. Um, but we, we really did, I think made all the right moves in the end, maybe one or two small, small mistakes. But the, the best part is we got through COVID with integrity, with our, our, our heads held high with things done properly. And we're proud to be where we are. I don't believe I've asked you this question before, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it now. Was there a conting ever a contingency and plan in case of year three going into this just to say, well, look, like 
we have new teams in Edmonton and so on in Canada. I believe there's five West Coast League teams in Canada now. Um, was there ever any consideration of just doing an all Canadian kind of division league for a year? There, there was, I think the one year, um, the first year was, it was, it, it didn't go very far. The conversation was, I mean, you have to remember the nine one eight owls were supposed to start in 2020 and didn't start till start. Sorry. Start. They were announced in 2020. We're supposed to start in 21. Didn't start until 22. Uh, we actually did a series, a little bit of a small series of merchandise that had the number 21 on the back because it was supposed to be our inaugural year. We thought that would be a good thing to put on there, that that number, right? Little uh, little Roger, uh, Ro- I was going to say Roger Clemens, Roto Clemente number on things, right? But um, it, it, uh, it, what, what it did was that, I mean, that, that third year off, looking back in hindsight, and the questions we asked in 2021 about starting up, the right decision was made to not start up and to do not do a, I mean, the border was the issue. We couldn't cross the border. The border, you weren't allowed vaccinated or not. Vaccines were slow rollouts in Canada compared to in the United States, um, all those kind of things. Um, so we, um, yeah, we did talk about it. Uh, you know, when, when I knew it wasn't going to happen, Kamloops was, was, eager-ish to go at to start up. Victoria, we could have started up and gone and done that. Uh, Nanaimo was able to get going, but a lot of the instru- construction for the ballpark wouldn't have been ready, so it would have been the old-school experience of this park, not the new and improved. Uh, Kelowna was not interested at all, and even in it seemed like in, in even giving it a go, they didn't see the value in it. And Edmonton, um, I don't think they were ready to as of yet, because they were actually going to join the next year anyways. So, um, it, it, you know, we didn't get a call on Edmonton coming into the league until I believe it was May of 2020 asking, uh, about the potential. If I've got the year, right. All the years have been melded together, right? We can't, we can't keep track of the, of the <laughs> yeah, years sometimes. Yeah, exactly. But, but it was like, it, it ended up that Kamloops and Nanaimo were supposed to join at the same time. And then Edmonton the next year. And that's not how it worked because of COVID it ended up bringing all three teams in at the same time. And any, you know, any further conversation now with the league, five in Canada, 11 on the other side. Um, and then we have, you know, if, if any growth that we have to have from here has to happen by twos, just for the schedule's sake alone. You can't have an odd number of teams now. I believe it's, it may not be impossible, but it it it's so close to impossible. It's not worth trying to go to 17 teams without having an 18th team. You have to have it. Um, it'd be dangerous to try it. So there's too many, too many banana peels for, uh, for that to be tried in my estimation, although I don't make all those decisions. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, a a third year would have been really, really difficult and we would have made probably more drastic decisions, uh, to take time off, probably even like a six month period where, where, you know, right now, right up to, you know, myself and all our people would have been laid off. And we would have gone to a stage where, um, you know, we're dormant, um, you know, kind of monitoring the email and, and the and the internet site and the social media, but pretty much going dormant for the next probably four to six months is likely where that discussion would have gone to if I'm reading my own room the right way anyways. You talked about the border. Um, 
And I know that that was a big issue and it may have played out through most of the season, but I know early on um, for you and the players, it's those coming from the States uh, into Canada and then vice versa from Canada to the States, you know, obviously that was a big issue for you. What kind of time did that add on to like planning and, and so on for both teams? Um, it really didn't. I mean, we were asked a lot about, you know, what kind of COVID restrictions would we have in the stands? You know, would guys be wearing, wearing masks on the bus? Would, uh, is vaccination required? Here's a tidbit for you. I know the Blue Jays seem to get hit on Major League Baseball, but, oh, I don't want to play in Toronto because the vaccination's required. The vaccination is no longer, and, and now it's been this way for a while, vaccination is no longer required to enter Canada. It is still required to enter the United States, technically. I don't believe they're checking much on it, but that's the reason that no, Novad Djokovic, the tennis player, has been unable to play in tennis events. So you got one right now in Indian Wells. He's not able to play in it. Um, coming up, uh, I think that's the one. Anyways, it was but U.S. Open. He couldn't play in it. I mean, Djokovic couldn't play in the U.S. Open. It had nothing to do with Canada. That had everything to do with the United States rules. And so there's a bit of a misnomer, misunderstanding, I think, um, you know, blame Canada. It's an old South, South Park thing, right? But, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it, Canada took a far more aggressive approach on restrictions. There's no question we're a little bit more, you know, small ass socialist and we tend to be a little bit. Um, that's not to mean that there's restrictions left, right, and center. Like maybe some people think there are, I'm extremely free to go and do what I have ever done in my life. Uh, living here on Vancouver Island and loving that. Um, but I think that some of the restrictions we put in place with hospitals and seniors homes and indoor spaces, I think they proved out with numbers. We had fewer deaths uh, from COVID than other places. Is that the reason? Seems to be a, a reason for it. It wasn't a, a for sure catch-all, but um, no, the border, the border issue was, you know, we're, we're limited in the number of players that we have up here. We'll, we'll carry, you know, eight to 10 to 12 Canadian guys on our teams on our, in a regular year, um, you know, pre COVID before we even heard about COVID. Um, and we could have filled, uh, with some players. I mean, there's the entire Western Canada baseball league, which is, you know, heavily, heavily, heavily Canadian players. They have some American guys, but the majority of the players are Canadian. We would have been, you know, using some of those best players, I think coming into a, to a better league over here. Um, and, but, the, the border issue, you know, now is, is behind us. Um, you know, it, it, it felt like kind of chasing a ghost when we get asked about border and COVID restrictions and things like that at the time. Cause I, I, I don't know if you guys felt like this down there. We certainly did with some rules that happened here. It felt like the, the, the goalposts changed daily and you can only, you can only, uh, react to what the rules of the day are. And we weren't getting a lot of notice on what the rules of the next day would be. So there was an example here in Canada where the, in BC, where they shut down Super Bowl parties with hours of notice. They just simply barred them from happening. And, uh, and, and pretty tough to clamp down on it, but most people did kind of obey it and just kind of stayed in their own little circle for that. Uh, happened around New Year's Eve as well. So we just realized early that, that the rules were ever changing, the, the, the situation was ever changing. And, and we, we just, we had to be ready to adapt to it no matter what. And, and that also saved us time because we couldn't do a whole lot of time predicting stuff. We just didn't know. 
Okay. Okay. Well, let's get let's let's uh, let's jump forward here. Um, give me a quick year-end review for Victoria last year. Some brief oh, highlights. Victoria, Victoria uh, made the playoffs. Um, uh, had a rough first game. Thought we should have won the second game. Um, you know, breaks breaks of the game that happen. Some sometimes they're frustrating, but that's what happened. Um, you know. It, Really enjoyed our coaching staff last year. We had three big leaguers on it with Todd Haney leading it and Mark Pekaisik is our pitching coach and Greg Swindell as well. Greg has since had a surgery. He can't come back this year. Mark's uh, work situation, he can't come back. So we've uh, changed the coaching staff. Uh, Todd still is our head coach. He's, uh, you know, one of the best summer ball coaches you'll ever have for his approach and his level-headedness and his uh just his demeanor and his fun and and how he approaches his class. And, uh, and, and he, he does a really good job of steering away from noise. That's not warranted for sure. He's great at that. Maybe better than I am, but um, at that area for sure. But he, he, uh, you know, Victoria, um, our attendance was down. Um, well, you know, we're a, we're a place that prides ourselves in, in, in accurate attendance figures. Uh, we, we, we did, uh, um, all that we could to fill the park again and, and do what we could. The weather was atrocious, as we all know, in the Pacific Northwest last year hit us, especially on day, game days, home day game days. It was a it was a challenging, challenging uh, year in staffing and people coming back to work. I don't know where everybody went, but not everybody seems to be back working these days, and or wanting to work. And uh, but we made it. We made it through and and uh, had a successful season. Um, Curtis was actually took over the GM role for the season, stepped back from that at the end of the year. Christian Stewart is now the taken on the GM role um, with, you know, my full support. And, and uh, you know, I'm still involved in the day to day. That's not going to change. Um, still glad to uh, to to support my people in that way and, and be the leader in that area. And and that just simply is not going to change. So, um, yeah, you're, you're probably your next question is give you a, a recap of Nanaimo first year. Yeah, well, I was, was going to jump into that here like now because I was going to say that I was given not just the privilege, but the honor of helping out in the first ever series um, that Nanaimo played in here in Portland against the Portland yeah. Pickles. Um, I, you know, getting to meet the team, uh, coach. Uh, Gorman being Gorman being the head coach for the first game, and you had Fitz, who's third base coach, um, and just getting to know the team coming together in those uh, first three games, and then getting the first W in team history, and the first seeing the first home run, the first pitch. I mean, first of all, let me just say that that was amazing experience. I had so much fun, and I cannot begin to thank you enough for allowing me to be able to do that and it was just a wonderful experience so first of all well, thank you so much you're very welcome i mean you know obviously we become good friends and uh we're you know pretty open about a lot of things you and i talk off the record on a few things for sure too and um it's interesting you know you remember the reason greg frady his daughter was getting married in bulgaria and so he couldn't be there for the first, I think it was eight games of the season. And uh, Gorm, you know, as veteran as you get and as level-headed and as and as classy as you get, uh, took over as head coach. And we, you know, we had some support for him on the road. And 
yourself, John Schnatterback is part of our group and is, you know, committed guy to what is going on with our, with our teams and our efforts and uh, really an undervalued guy by, I think a couple people, a really quality individual um, whose head and heart are all in the right place, gets the game, gets it all um, is a really good sounding board for me on a lot of things to have you two a part of it, Ben, it was a thank you to you for all the things you've done that I don't think you've been thanked enough uh, by the West coast league for the things you've done to help to promote it. And, you know, you, you started to do the podcast hoping that Portland get a major league team. Uh, you've, you've adjusted with the times. It still may happen, but you realize there's other great baseball going on. You've talked about, you know, the West coast league a lot, and you've talked about, uh, you know, the a ball situations, you've talked about college baseball in the area. We appreciate that. It, it, it helps to educate people. I mean, your your series in Nanaimo, a coal ball, you'd never even been on Vancouver Island, let alone in Nanaimo. You'd never seen a lump of coal in Nanaimo that this city was kind of founded on, that that industry. And uh, what you did there, if anybody's not uh, listened to it, we're going to start, by the way, Ben, we're going to start uh, um, reintroducing that series to people. And uh, and we will, we will be letting people know, uh, you know, just, just, they need to go back and revive uh, that listen because it was your, the detail and the and the the research and the work you did was impeccable. It was awesome, and I, I thank you for that. And that we could have you in uniform for our first game, our first win, our first series. Um, you know, it's uh, I know your family was able to to be at at least one of the games, and you know maybe you didn't go back after that, but it was uh, it was it was great to have you there, and and uh, that was meaningful to me, buddy, and I appreciate that. Yeah, well, I I was really great. I, you know, I just I can't begin to explain the experience. But then, you know, I got to go um, up to Nanaimo yeah. last year and visited this the ballpark with all the wonderful work that with collaboration between Nanaimo, the city, and the ball club, and and what they were able to do, and and the Siroxman Stadium and Siroxman Club, and and everybody with that city poured into that facility and i know that we've talked about it i know mickey mantle opened it up and and others and in the, the history behind that and if you go back and listen to Colball, you'll you'll hear the whole spiel about sir Oxman stadium and and just the history behind that but just being able to see it and to me like i've always said it's a summer collegiate team playing in a low a facility and it's not just any low A facility to me. It feels like more of like a historic old uh, old A facility. Yeah, the bones are fantastic. It's interesting because, you know, my history in the league goes back to 2013, about November of 2013. And, you know, we, we went through some ownership transformation that wasn't fun early, very early in my time. And uh, this, those stories have been rehashed. And I remember, you know, the league wanted somebody to come up to Victoria and make sure we were okay. And and I, I, I never got the direct report. I got it indirectly, but the report back was, yeah, we don't need to worry. Everything's, everything's in good shape in Victoria. The experience is good. Things are rock solid. The, the, the signs are filling the outfield fence. The, the, the crowd counts here aren't inflated. They aren't, they aren't manufactured faked. They're legit. Uh, the beer's cold, the hot dogs taste good, all that stuff. And, and then I, you know, I felt this last year, like there was a little bit of reporting back. Oh, did Nanaimo actually pull this off? And, you know, we, we didn't have a whole lot of questions being asked going into the season to, you know, are you guys good? Everything's everything fine. There wasn't much check-in on that, if any. And, and, uh, it was more of a, you know, almost looking, 
to to check it out later on and and you know nobody could walk away with a legitimate comment about uh any concerns they had uh here are you know the um the hotel was was solid and did a solid breakfast the the transportation situation good was good here we had a blip unfortunately long story with our our gym here uh that's rectified here for this year already uh food services um was not what we wanted it to be last year because of lateness of construction different things there a lot of factors that would take 10 minutes to explain them all even on a on a cursory level um but you know Nanaimo is i i think a really um strong part of what this level can provide and it's been fun to already have uh coaches and programs um seemingly prioritizing sending players uh to Nanaimo and I think a lot of that you know is credit to our coaches obviously Greg Frady is just an outstanding uh college coach Gorm Heimuller is you just don't get a better pitching coach um I I think he's the best pitching coach this league's ever had and uh, his track record you know nobody nobody can match that and uh, Sean, Sean, uh, is our third coach, just outstanding Sean Fitzgerald and, uh, the things we're able to pull off here this last year, uh, as, as we race to the finish line with weather and construction and all those things, it, uh, it really was, uh, and finishing with a five game winning streak. And after a struggle early in July, uh, record record wise and results wise, just really good to be able to, to pull that off. And we're excited about the second season, obviously delays what I mentioned earlier, you know, Tina and staffing and things like that. We haven't done a lot uh, in some areas like we've wanted to, but we're now racing to the finish line on some of these things. And having a year under our belt and people understanding what the Night Owls are about uh, is a, just a really strong um, uh, second season coming up where we expect uh, to see a pretty good lift on our attendance figures and uh, revenues and ballpark uh, experience items. We're, we're excited on all those things. We're focused on them. Um, you know, we've done what we've done in Victoria for a, a long time and, uh, I think done it in an okay way, and we're gonna we're gonna try and do that sort of a of a game experience here uh, in Nanaimo, and and where baseball is is legitimate, where baseball is is treasured and respected, the game itself, and we'll do the things that are are the the shiny and sizzle. Uh, we'll do those properly too, with respect, and and uh, you know we're not going to get into to some of the stuff that detracts from the game. And uh, we we think we do and, and approach this all the right way, and we're excited to continue it. I've always said that, to me anyways, ever since getting into this the podcast here and getting to know a lot of the people within the West Coast League and, and in the high school, college level, and so on, that it's it's more of a family than it is just a, just the a baseball itself. Um, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is, is that there was an unfortunate circumstance that happened last year at one of your ballparks there in, at the ballpark in Nanaimo. And I know it was a very unfortunate situation and it was dealt yeah. with the loss of life. Um, and how, how, first of all, how, how are, how's the staff? How, how is everybody doing? Um, I always like to check in on that because, you know, mental health and, and awareness is really, really important to me. And it, it is part of this game, but it not only impacts like the players, but also the staff and everybody that's that's part of this. But how how how's the staff doing? But also, how is how's the family member of uh, of the individual? Yeah. Doing? You know what? It's <clears throat> it's uh, I appreciate that greatly. Very, very much. Um, I. 
I thank you for checking in. I, the, you know, there's a couple of people who checked in and, and, uh, you know, I thought more might, but I guess not, but, uh, you know, I thank you for checking in. Um, you've asked me this a few times. Um, you know, I'll go, I'll go open here right now. I've gone through counseling for this and, uh, it was a traumatic situation in front of us. Uh, you know, the majority, 90%, 99% of the people handled it exceptionally well. There's maybe, you know, one or two small parts of it that didn't handle it all that well. The staff were good with it. It was traumatic for sure. It was, um, so June 22nd, uh, Mr. Jerry Carson, who's actually from New Brunswick, but had a lot of family here in the Nanaimo area was out visiting and he was work. He was helping that night as a 50, 50 seller for the Siroxman, uh, service club. And he, you know, just shy of his 76th birthday, he had a, uh, a cardiac event and, um, and, you know, pretty much, you know, it turns out at the end, he was, he was, uh, he was no longer with us by the time he probably hit the ground. And, and, but you know, the people worked on him. I you know that a nurse named Amber, a medical, a military doctor happened to be there, worked on him. We got, uh, we got 911 right away. We got ambulances, fire truck, people there to work on him. And they took him to hospital and tried and did everything they could, weren't able to hold him. And, uh, very, very sad. I mean, the, the tie-ins are so, are so, you know, unbelievable. I don't think many in our league probably realize how much tie-in there was with the situation. You know, Mr. Carson's son, uh, Mike, uh, become a good friend of mine. He does all the signage at our ballpark through his company sign zone. Um, you know, him and his wife had a, uh, a player, Cody Hendricks from, uh, from Bakersfield, Cal State Bakersfield at their home last year. Um, you know, Mike, uh, his, his son, Connor played ball with, with a number of the guys that were on our team. They, they all knew who Jerry Carson was. They knew grandpa Carson and, you know, the tie-ins with it that night and how, how tight the community, it showed how tight the community is, was, uh, is something I'll never forget. And, you know, you know, we had an AED on site. We now have two, uh, we had first aid, um, you know, our first aid person was actually off because of COVID that night, but we had a, a backup plan. Um, you know, we had all these things that were in place and, you know, it's really important. You talk about an emergency action plan and there's an opportunity for, you know, teams at all levels to learn from what happened to us that night. And, uh, you know, we're ready to have that dialogue and that conversation at any point. Um, and to, you know, give a real life situation. I've been involved in baseball for many years events right up to international and, and national and Western Canadian provincial, all these, all these events that I've been a part of in, in leadership and uh, pro ball. And, and it's never happened. It's never happened once where we've had a situation where somebody passed away at the park. Um, you know, unfortunately a couple of minutes after it happened, you know, maybe an hour after it happened, somebody tweeted out that somebody got hit by a baseball at our ballpark and died. And that's, you know, not even close to what happened. Right. So, you know, challenges like that um, and, and the things that can be learned from some of the minutiae, some of the details, there's an opportunity there. Um, we're going to take every advantage of that opportunity with our organizations, for sure, with Victoria and Nanaimo, and we've done that. And it's been a part of our focus in the offseason has been to, uh, to, to really hold those conversations and to get things out that way. And, you know, I, I, that very night, I talked to a counselor all the way home and, uh, and, I, and, and then again and again, uh, many other, you know, coffees and, and, and meetups and whatever else. And, and it's, it's been an important part of, of, uh, 
of us being able to cope with what happened that night and realize that, you know, unfortunately it was Mr. Carson's time. We're very sad that it happened. Um, but if we could ever have done anything, that 1% chance that you can, you know, hold on to somebody, you know, we want to make sure we do that. And, uh, I think that should be everybody's, uh, focus from that event in, in gaining information. Well, I appreciate you, uh, discussing that. I know it was a, an important event. I know it's something big that happened last year and I was always like to check in, make sure you're doing all right and, you know, see how the team's doing and then how his family's doing. Um, but I really want to end on a positive note um, with you and and just kind of hear what what can we expect this upcoming season for both teams? Expect great baseball and great entertainment, uh, tremendous food, and hopefully uh, the weather that that makes that all come together. I mean, that's the one thing we can't control. Um, one exciting thing that we're about to announce in Nanaimo is that we've secured an infield tarp. We have a full infield tarp that'll be at that park this year. Uh, I think it should be required equipment at every single park in the league. Um, I think at any level like ours or above us, indie ball, you know, a ball, any kind of level, a, a, a infield tarp should be required. That's my view. Um, we're glad to provide that. We're gonna we're gonna live to those to to standards like that and and uh, and and be focused on those positives. Um, it's actually the same exact tarp that the Vancouver Canadians. Uh, single A team just ordered. So it's a quality, quality tarp. And what's important about it for us is that the sponsor, Maxim Insurance, uh, stepped forward to work with us on us, uh, work with this on it, on the tarp. The, you know, the main rain that happens in the Pacific Northwest up here in BC and on Vancouver Island is, you know, through the, the fall, you know, winter and into spring, we don't generally get a lot of rain in, in July and August and even September, maybe June, we do get a bit of it. Uh, but this tarp is going to be much more advantageous for the VIU college program in Nanaimo or the the premier baseball, the high school level league here, or the minor baseball programs. It's going to help them more than it's going to help the night owls. But we are glad to be here and be part of this community and be doing this. Uh, new PA system going in this year um, that will also benefit those groups that they haven't had to do any fundraising for. They haven't had to do any logistics work. They're just going to have to show up and it's going to be there and it's going to, it's going to kick some butt. It's going to be awesome. So we're excited for, and there's an additional set of, of seating that's going in that couldn't get done last year. Um, and uh, we can't wait to get the bathtub bar going again. Cause that was a really fun uh, and unique. I don't, I don't know uh -huh. that there's an, another spot in, in baseball that has a bar on the field in center field. Yes. There's a fence there for those who are curious um, but it's such a unique place to sit and watch a ball game and, and take it in with the backdrop of the cliffs behind the ballpark. It's just, it's picturesque. It's a, it's a postcard. Yeah. I, that, that, that bar is pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, Jim, you know, I, I can't say enough how much I appreciate your time and, uh, just jumping on with me today to record this episode, but to have you come back on, I mean, you know, having you as a, a regular uh, is very much appreciative. Thank you, buddy. You uh, you always pick up my spirits when we when we touch base and and uh, can't forward can't can't wait to see you at some point along the the past this summer and and hope that happens a few times, not just once or twice. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm hoping to bring my family up there to Nanaimo and Victoria this summer so we can catch some some West Coast League games and. Vancouver, Victoria, and Nanaimo, BC. So I'm looking forward to that.
You got a key to the city. You know that. We will. We uh, we love having you here. I got the little tiny key. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's to the that one's to the washroom. So at least at least that you can you can use that area. So that's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Diamonds and Roses podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this. We'll be out with more quality episodes. And peace out.